Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich. With me today, I have Chase Russell. I am not going to do my normal spectacular introduction of Chase because he's you know, just you just can't do it with this guy. I mean, from wars and combat to owning his own plane company at 25. I mean, you can't explain the, the path that this young man is on to shift and change the world. So Chase, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of one of the, the main things that makes you who you are and what and do what you are doing and why. Yeah, so uh, I'm Chase Russell, and I, I'm, I'm an Air Force veteran. I did two tours in Afghanistan, and I did one uh, in another in the Middle East uh, for a year-long stint. And um, I, I decided to get out of the military and said, hey, you know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to go into business. I loved aviation, so let's let's start a private airline. And, and at the time, I was unaware that you could start a private airline. And most people say that to me. They're like, you, I didn't even know you could just do that. Um, apparently, you can. And that's, that's good news for me. Um, and I was like, what's going to be our niche? So our, our niche is making private charters affordable. So everybody wants to fly privately, but um, it's, it's extremely expensive. And I was like, it shouldn't be that way. And so we started building the premise of Russell Aviation and we built it on the premise of, a, of an affordable private charter. And um, it's, it's really taken off uh, since I've got out in uh, 2019 and uh, I'm excited for the future of it. So Let's get into it. Um, U.S. policies and politics, the foreign policies especially. You've been a contractor. You've had to go to war. You've been overseas. You've had a lot of time to spend studying this particular topic, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so tell us, is what we're doing very efficient? I don't think uh, the, the way I see it, okay, I've spent, I spent the majority of my adult life in the Middle East. Um, I, like you said, I worked as a contractor. Um, I worked in the military over there. So I, I've seen both sides of the fence on this. Um, in, in the short answer, no, it's not effective in any way possible. You can't fight, the, the way I see it is you can't fight ideology with, with bombs, you know you're not going to change someone's mind by, by blowing up their town or by, you know, assisted suiciding them, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just not how it works. I mean, and, and anybody can agree with that. I think the, the way I look at it, it's just not, it's not effective the way we went into it. It's not effective. I'm sure there's a, there's a much deeper, um, cause behind the reason we're in Afghanistan but as far as I I I don't I don't negate the fact that there's a lot of people there that they're they're there because they were told to be there and they have a job to do okay I I was in the military I understand how that goes and I I appreciate that and I'm not going to sit here and say that the the war in Afghanistan is a um a shamble but it's been going on now for for decades I mean I know people that their dad fought and now they're fighting it you know and that's that's not how it should be. It should be operated. Um, whether you pull out completely of Afghanistan or anywhere in the Middle East, I don't know. But the, I mean, the general rule of thumb is they don't. They don't really want you there. The Middle Easterns don't want you there. We wouldn't want Russians on our soil. So why would why would they want us there? 
Yeah, you know, that it's a funny thing. Um, the whole concept to me of borders and territories and things are, it's kind of a distasteful thing to my humanity. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just share it with you why, and then I'll let you kind of go. But I'm Jewish, right? So there's right now a lot of Israeli-Palestinian fighting. And the media is sharing what the media shares, which is not the truth in any way, shape, or form. And so I, I take it from, from a perspective of what's in a border. And in a border, in the nature of a border, is division mm-hmm. between two sides, between two kinds of cultures, between two kinds of people. To me, what we've done in the U.S. should be the prototype for the world. However, as far as integration of culture, however, the way that we do it is such um, a bullyish way. It's going to be our culture or nobody's, right? It's going to be the culture we create or nobody else's. And that's what division and borders do to me in my head. So, you know, like if I look on a satellite image of the world, there are no lines separating states, right? There are no lines separating countries. There's no, no natural reason for creating territories, borders, other than uh, we're not comfortable being around people who are not exactly like us. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. I think if you if you look at the history of it, I mean, let's let's talk on the borders for a minute. You know, let's look at the history of it. Uh, prior to World War One, you had the Ottoman Empire, the Persians, uh, you know, after World War One, they decided, hey, let's just draw a bunch of borders. Uh, if we're talking about the Middle East and Europe, and that's where you see a lot of this division. That's where you see a lot of this. And then, of course, with Israel, uh, 1948, um, when when Israel became a state, um, but you're you're right and you're accurate in the sense that there's no you, you can look at a satellite image and there's no borders you know but it's uh it's an it's an under it goes to an understanding of cultural norms right i i think that for me the issue becomes this concept of they're coming over and taking from me right mm-hmm. so when i was in greece during the paralympics for instance all I heard from the Greek people was about the Albanians coming over and stealing the jobs. Reminded me a little bit about the U.S. concept of the Mexican people coming over and stealing the jobs. And then I was in another country and they were talking about a different country that was coming over and stealing the jobs, right? Like every country has people who want to be there <laughs> and some who yeah. want to be not there, right? And I guess where, where, where that division comes from is that we are a global planet. Most humans tend to roam. We're roaming people. We like to explore. We like to adventure. We like to see new things. And I think that part of the division in our policies are the division that we've placed with borders and stopping people in some ways and respects from being able to freely travel the world. 
And when they don't freely travel the world, you don't get to experience other people's cultures in a way that's like, that's the predominant culture that you're experiencing different from your own. Right. And therefore, we don't understand each other's cultures. We don't know the same language of each other's cultures. And so we don't tend to want to be friendly with other people. And I think that that's part of our specific foreign policy. And I'm I not sure people, why. People are afraid of the unknown. That's, I think that's a lot of the issue that you're hitting on is, is people are afraid of the unknown. All right. Everybody's terrified of something they, they don't understand or don't know. And, and it's one thing that I I'm very fortunate that I've been able to get out of the United States. I've been able to go experience other cultures. And I'm the type of person that when I get to another culture, I immerse myself in it and I become I become whatever you know form you need to become because that's one respectful and two you're going to get a much better view of the culture for instance i i was in haiti uh after the earthquake i i did a, a mission down to haiti and um i i speak i i was learning french in high school and i was very i was really in love with learning french uh, so when i went down there i didn't speak any english i spoke nothing but french the entire time and i was i think i was 17 at the time i um, mean that's been just an amazing uh cultural change and shift in my life just from that one trip that I did down there and got a, you know, you learn so much more about the people when you can connect with them. And I, I had never, I had never been to Haiti. I knew nothing about Haiti when I got there other than they spoke French and I easily became a Haitian. <laughs> I'm not saying I am, but I'm just saying like, um, it was, it was amazing and it was fun. And, and they really accepted that and they were really respectful. Awesome. And that's what it boils down to. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to add one to the determination. So we've got plan action steps. We've got determination. I'm going to add one to you for you and that's resilience. And the resilience is probably one of the most important pieces to being an entrepreneur and to making a difference in the world in general. Cause you're going to get kicked. You're going to make, have missteps. You're going to have things that get in the way and your ability to be resilient and bounce back is always the most important thing. One of my sayings is if you're not dead, it ain't over. So you're not done. I tell people you can't fall off a wagon. You're not on a wagon. You're in life. You're in a body. You're, you're in, until you're dead, you're still on. And so at any moment, at any second, at any millisecond, you can make a decision and a choice to change the course of your life forever. And that is really awesome. That no, I agree with that 100%, the resilience side of things. Um, and that kind of goes back to my, there's positive motivation and negative motivation. You know, something bad happens to you. Just look at it like that. Okay, cool. Something bad happened to me. That's going to motivate me to do better or take a different route or take a different path, you know, whatever it is. And if something positive happens to you, celebrate it for a minute, move on to the next thing, you know, and the more you start to celebrate the negatives, the more you're going to start to realize that they're not really negatives. That's what's crazy about it is the more you stop looking at things negatively and the more you start building a positive mindset and manifesting what you want in your life and you start saying, you know what, that didn't go the way I wanted, but I learned something. 
you know, there's a mil. I, for instance, my my company, we did a, a the sales strategy. My my first, you know, draft of my sales strategy, um, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And I spent so much time on it, and I worked, and I stressed, and I, and at the end of it, I was like, this isn't gonna work. I went to my mentor. He's like, this is terrible. And, and good for him, you know, <laughs> you know, that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have people that do that for me. Um, but it, it was, it was terrible. And I was so upset. I was like, I, I can't believe I spent so much time on this, but, and it's terrible, but it led me to an even better strategy. And it led me to rethink and relook at things and hypothesize and question and, and have a general gray area. And I wasn't so certain on one thing. Um, that I was blinded by, by everything else. And that's, you know, you got to look at it as a positive and a, uh, even if it's a negative, it's still a positive because you learn something. Yeah. So here's where I, I I'm going to just kind of add, I guess, again, is with the gray area, we've been talking a lot about gray area and there being no black and white. And here would be my caveat for, for, for people in general, the audience to, to think about is nuance lies in the gray area, but your decision lies in black or white. The gray area is the fence that you gather your information on, but it's not the fence that you wanna hang your hat on. You, you get the information and then you make a decision one way or another. Mm-hmm. And then you just go, okay, did that work? Did it not work? Why, why did it work? Why did it not work? So you can, you can have the mind- and your decision. That- your decision should be fluid. I, I think too, to, to add to that, I think your decision should be fluid. You know, it's like writing a paper, a research paper, you know, you write out this rough draft and you just throw all your, all your ideas on a piece of paper. Right. And then once you write the final report, you know, a year from now, that final report might need to be revised, which is why in most news articles, there's amendments, there's all kinds of things, you know, it's the same thing. You've written all your ideas down. That's your gray area. Take that information, make a decision. And then, you know, you need to be subject to altering that decision too. Don't be so dead set. Now, I, I always reassess, you know, when, as a, as an, a person who trains Olympic athletes, right? Wait, I, I come up with a plan. We've got six months for you to get to where you need to be in competition. How we're going to do that. We're going to create the plan. It's going to be a six month plan, but every marker we retest, we reassess. Are we meet, are we meeting our goal? Are we meeting our goal? Are we, are we not? Oh, what, what are we, what are we needing to do to get back to where we are meeting our goal? Cause the competition is there. You don't have a choice on the time, right? You just got to do what you got to do to get there. And that's the same thing with business. And so if anybody in the audience here wants to go take a private flight with you, um, how, how can they get a hold of you? So yeah, on, on the business side of things, you can go over to Russell, uh, russellaircharter.com. You can find us on Facebook at Russell Aviation and on Instagram at uh, Russell Aviation as well. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn, Chase Russell. Uh, feel free to connect with me. I love chatting with people and getting to know other people and their stories. Awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, you know, just if you're looking to start something and you think, wow, that's way too big or that's way too big of a goal, or you're looking at somebody else, your neighbor, your friend, your buddy, your wife, ex-wife, whatever it is, and they're doing better than you in life. Don't think like that. Your life is your life and you get to live it the way you live it. Nobody's on a same timetable. Okay. Just because I'm 26 and I'm starting this or someone's 46 and they're starting something else. It doesn't make anybody any different. 
it's just a matter of taking the time, the mindset and growing yourself. And I, I think people that take the time to grow themselves and, and, and grow uh, and foster a mindset of self-motivation, uh, those are normally the people that, that have the positive things come at them when they're not even doing anything. Um, that's one thing I've learned since starting this business is, uh, you know, if you put out a positive energy, you're going to get a lot more positive energy tenfold back. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I know that the conversation does not always take the prescribed route, but, uh, <laughs> but <That's fine>. uh, <laughs> as long as, as long as the audience gets, uh, you know, tips and tricks and ways to move forward, I'm, I'm a happy camper. So I really appreciate the deep conversations versus uh, surface ones. So thank you so much for helping me to create a new tomorrow and activate people's visions for a better world so that we could all live the life of our dreams. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me.